Merry Christmas. We did Christmas last week, and so we're moving on with where we've been uh, studying. Just for those of you who are guests with us, we've gone through Acts. Well, actually, we started Gospels. Jesus died, then Acts, the church started, and then the church started having problems, and Paul's kind of the missionary that's trying to deal with the problems. He's in Ephesus, the church in Corinth, which he's already been to, uh, begins to have issues. The church has issues. <laughs> the church has issues. And yeah. And uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, and so Paul's trying to deal with the issues that are happening at the church in Corinth. And so he's sitting down and he's penned this letter and we're all the way up to chapter 14. Chapter 12, he got into the spiritual gifts of the church and he talked about how to use those spiritual gifts to uh, serve one another. And then chapter 13, he's like, if these gifts are going to be effective, it has to be out of love. That's where we were two weeks ago was the love chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And so now these spiritual gifts that have been given to you by the Holy Spirit, everybody in this room that believes that Jesus is the Son of God and He's the Savior forgiving you of your sins, has been given some sort of spiritual gift. I believe it with all my heart. The Spirit has entered into you just as Luke read that verse, old things have passed away, and now you are a new creation. And with your new creation, you've been given a gift. In a lot of churches that I grew up in, you took a test to find out what your spiritual gift was. You won't ever catch me doing that anymore. Uh, because one, uh, I, I think that all it ever did was identify what I was already doing. And then as I changed and I evolved, my spiritual gift analysis would change as well. And so really, if you want to know what your spiritual gift is, just be. And you'll figure it out. You'll figure out what that is. And we'll talk about it a little bit more today. But now, he's listed these spiritual gifts and he gets into two of the ones that are probably more divisive. They're on opposite ends of each other. And we'll start in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It says, verse 1, Pursue love. Remember, he just came out of chapter 13. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. Prophesy means to teach. Just what Luke did up here, just what I'm doing right now, just what you do with small groups, to teach and to disciple. It says, For the person who speaks in a tongue is not speaking to people, but to God. Since no one understands him, he speaks mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the person who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. The person who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. I wish all of you spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesied. The person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may be built up. 
he's taken two of the spiritual gifts and he's almost pitted them against themselves. They do two different things. Tongues. How many of you ever have seen somebody speak in tongues? How many of you have not seen anybody speak in tongues? See, that uh, doesn't surprise me. Uh, growing up in Tulsa, the charismatic capital of the world where Oral Roberts University is and Rima Bible College, they considered charismatic and they spoke in tongues. And uh, in high school, I went to a Leon Patillo concert. I don't know if that strikes a bell with you. That would have been maybe the late 70s, early 80s, but uh, people at the concert began speaking in tongues. Michelle was a new believer at the time, and it freaked both of us out. It really did. It was kind of like, and so here, here it is, what, 40 years later, and that's all I remember from that night, is them speaking in tongues, and it kind of freaking me out. Uh, I've seen other people speak in tongues since then. I believe my mom even uh, spoke in tongues, never in front of me, but I know that she had talked about it. Uh, but tongues allows a person to address God in this, this unknown language or some kind of linguistic, linguistic uh, configuration of syllables. Uh, but the speaker himself, herself, does not necessarily know what they're saying. And certainly others do not. Some may tell you that they know what they're saying. Some may be able to interpret what the Spirit is saying through them, but most likely they don't. Whereas prophecy, on the other hand, it's this proclamation of God's Word in a message that's given directly by God. I believe as I teach today that God has given me a message as I sit here and go through the Scripture and interpret it and listen to Him and listen to the Spirit within me these weeks and come in here and present it. I'm trying to speak somewhat with intelligence to address a whole wide variety of uh, possible human recipients here. I'm assuming the Lord will do that. Now, uh, Paul's sitting here saying that tongues, it edifies oneself. It builds up the assurance that God is with one and working through one and can bring a great sense of peace and encouragement and love on the part of God's Spirit, but it's for that one person. Unless somehow there's somebody that is able to interpret it and begin to teach to the whole group. That's rarely the case. Whereas, again, prophecy immediately edifies one another. Like, I get up here and I teach, or Keith teaches, or Matt teaches, or Luke teaches, or any, any one of you get up here and teach, Hopefully that edifies you and the message is truly from God to encourage, sometimes even to rebuke in a positive way. But it communicates information to know that God loves you and He's also a just God. 
So he's taking these two, and then he breaks it down. Verse 6, listen to this. It says, So now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I speak to you with a revelation or knowledge of prophecy or teaching? Even lifeless instruments that produce sounds, whether flute or harp, if they don't make a distinction in the notes, how will what is played on the flute or harp be recognized? He's literally saying what Judah did, and if, if I pick this thing up and I begin to play it, it doesn't even come close to what she just did up here. You see, it's kind of useless what I'm doing. But what she did produced this beautiful worship experience for us. And this is what he's saying is like if it if it doesn't even make sense to you, there's no sense in doing it publicly. He says, in fact, if the bugle makes an unclear sound, who will prepare for battle? <laughs> Can you imagine if somebody that didn't know how to blow a horn got out there? It's like what encouragement is that to go to battle? In the same way, unless you use your tongue for intelligible speech, how will what is spoken be known? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different kinds of languages in the world. None is without meaning. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker will be a foreigner to me. So also you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to excel in building up the church. That's the key right there. It says, seek to excel in building up the church. Will tongues from the stage do that? Most likely not. It will cause you to remember that experience 40 years later that it freaked you out. Therefore, the person who speaks in a tongue should pray that he can interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing praise with the spirit, and I will also sing praise with my understanding. So he's sitting here saying that pray and sing with their minds so that they are benefited with the understanding as well as the good feeling. You can get a good feeling from speaking in tongues, but it's kind of pointless if there's no understanding with it. Verse 16 says, Otherwise, if you praise with the Spirit, how will the outsider say amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not know what you are saying? For you may very well be giving thanks, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Oh, that's the very first time and probably the only time in Paul's writings that he indicates that he has spoken or speaks in tongues. It's the only time. He says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding in order to teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. 
I don't want to get up here and do tongues in front of you and nobody understands it and brings no value to the group. I'd rather just say, Jesus loves you. I'd rather just say that, and that's be it. Verse 20, it says, Brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your thinking, but be infants in regard to evil and adult in your thinking. Here's what he just said right there. In your thinking, function as adults. When you think, think like an adult. With respect to the evil or wickedness, be like children, which would mean be innocent. At, at least to certain characteristics of a, some kind of adult sin. It, be innocent as a child is to the evil of the world. But, he said, but be fully mature in one's understanding. Grow in the understanding that comes to you from the Spirit. And then he begins to quote from Isaiah, the prophet, out of the Old Testament. It said, it is written in the law, I will speak to this people by people of other tongues and by the lips of foreigners. And even then, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So now he's actually quoted Isaiah chapter 28, verses 11 and 12, which is a context in which foreigners, in their unknown languages, the languages that the Israelites didn't understand, He's basically saying here, this is a sign of God's judgment. If they can't, if you can't understand them, then remember the Assyrians were coming in and attacking the Israelites during this time of Isaiah. If you can't understand them based upon their language, they're probably not of God. They're probably not of God and therefore they will face a judgment to come. And they're not going to understand you as well as they come to invade. Verse 22, you have to keep this in context. It says, speaking in tongues then is intended as a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. What? While prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for believers. That seems like he just took everything and just turned it right upside down and backwards right there. Wait, tongues is for non-believers and prophecy is for believers? Yes, based upon what he just said in Isaiah. If it's based upon judgment, if you're going to judge what the world is, if you're going to, based upon if they're believers or non-believers, how do you know? Well, the non-believers are not going to understand Tongues. Speaking in tongues, then, is intended as a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. You want to know if they're unbelievers? They're not going to be speaking in tongues. They're not going to understand tongues. That's how you know they're unbelievers, and that's the judgment that's placed on them. So, while prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for believers, unbelievers won't be able to understand how to speak in tongues, believers will be able to understand prophecy. If they can understand prophecy, then you will know 
the non-believers don't get it. So he's kind of taken this truth that Isaiah has presented, and now he's put it on the church at Corinth and said the same thing, sometimes trying to be very direct with them. He's trying to get their attention. Verse 23 says this, If therefore the whole church assembles together, and all are speaking in tongues, and the people who are outsiders or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your minds? Will they not be freaked out? But if all are prophesying and some unbeliever or outsider comes in, he's convicted by all and is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart will be revealed, and as a result, he will fall face down and worship God, proclaiming, God is really among you. I'm going to stop there and camp out there for a second. Because here in this community, Levener, we have personally tried to remove all the obstacles that would keep non-believers from being turned off by religion. Like when we began this in 2000 Seven October of 2007 at Charlie and Vicky's house. That's how long we've been gathering as a community. <clears throat> we thought, can we just come together as a body of believers and do what they did in Acts chapter 2? Just love on one another. Do we have to play church? And so... Since then, now we meet in a pub. We're not interested in putting on a show here. I'm not interested in that. You're not going to see uh, any smoke machines or uh, countdown clocks. Or We do have drapes. We don't have piping drapes, but we have drapes to cover up. There's not going to be any big show here. Not interested in it. You're, you're able to uh, dress casual. No dressing up. Uh, there's really no hierarchy of leadership here. Really not. It, Jesus is the lead. I'm not the lead. If I'm the lead, you're in trouble. Uh, there's no offering. That's one of the biggest things that people talk about is like, how do you survive without an offering? There's no giving box. There's no joy box. I don't do this as a, a marketing ploy. That's not why we remove all those things. And I don't do it to boast either. I'm not, this doesn't make us any better than anybody else. It's just the way the Lord is leading us to do it. I just don't see all that stuff as necessary. I don't see it as necessary. He says to prophesy, okay, so we're going to come in here and we're going to teach and we're going to love on one another. We're going to do those things. But what we will do every week right here is we're going to teach from the Word of God for the sake of the believer. When God said in 2007, this is what I want you to do. I want you to do a crisis intervention. I want you to do disaster relief and I want you to teach the Bible. I really believed, I've always believed 
that this community can be real with who they are. <laughs> and even the struggles that we have. There's a lot of struggles in this room. Trust me. And the outsiders, the non-believers, would be captivated by the difference that we are to the rest of the world. They wouldn't be intrigued by the way that you, right here, live your lives. You live in the chaos, you live with grief, you live with suffering, yet somehow you have great joy. That a non-believer could show up here on a Sunday morning without marketing towards them and hear the good news that is being taught and lived out through these people who are perfect in Christ, yet we struggle living in our flesh suits. You with me? Like, I even struggle living in my flesh suit, but I'm envisioned, I'm seen as perfect in Christ because not only am I seen that way, but I've been made that way. He made me that way. I still have this flesh suit, still struggle. Some pastor once defined love as this. Love is the unconditional giving of the very best that we have on behalf of another, regardless of response. Hmm. Let, me say, let me say again. Love is the unconditional giving of the very best that we have on behalf of another, regardless of the response. Four crucial parts to that definition right there. We give ourselves unconditionally to others in this room. We do. That doesn't mean we give ourselves to others uh, approving of everything that they do. Trust me. I'm sure that I get condemned or judged upon because I'm accepting of people no matter their lifestyle. God loved me first. And because He loved me first, I'm able to love others. He didn't say pick and choose who you love. He just said love them. And I'm totally convinced that uh, I can hang out with somebody that has a totally different lifestyle than myself. And I can love them without accepting their behavior. Just because I hang out with them doesn't mean that I accept what they do or what you do. I'm loved because He loved me first. So we in this room give ourselves unconditionally and we commit to them the very best that we have. The best that I have is Jesus Christ. That's it. If it was based upon uh, Rusty without Christ, they're in trouble. But the best that I have is in Christ. And in this room, it's others-centered. It's not self-centered. That's why Paul's literally saying, you know, you can do the tongue thing, but that's more of a private thing. It's really not a public thing. We're not doing it for some hidden agenda of our own. 
it's really others-focused. And we continue with that self-giving even when it's rejected. I was having a conversation. I can't even remember who the conversation was with, but it was like, when the Spirit tells you to do something for somebody, and you listen to the Spirit, and you do as the Spirit leads you to do, you are not responsible with what they do, with what the Spirit told you to do. You with me? Because then all of a sudden you've taken ownership of it if you do. When in all truth and reality, it's the Spirit that led you to do it. So, no matter if it's thrown back in my face, no matter if it's used or abused, no matter what it is, unconditional love is given regardless of the response. But what Paul's really saying right here in this whole passage of Scripture, these first 25 verses, is we need to be about building up and edifying each other. In that spirit of love, how do you use the spiritual gifts that you've been given? <laughs> Is it because we go to church? No. Do we participate in Christian gatherings with the goal and the priority of using our gifts to encourage and build others up? Mm, I don't think so. Or do we go asking what we can get out of the situation? <laughs> our, that's our modern world, right, for church? Church is literally... Uh, I hate, I'm not... I don't think I'm being judgmental. I'm just saying this is what the church is doing. It's producing this, this consumerism mentality that we're going to provide program, programming for you. We're going to entertain you. We're going to give you something that you walk away with. And so in the church world, we've created this beast where people go to church expecting to get something out of it. Rather than finding a place of how do I use this spiritual gift that God has given to me? How do I use that inside the church and inside the community? You want, let's just be honest with you. Here's the struggle for newbies in our community, this, this room right here. Here's the struggle for newbies. You will not be entertained here and provided with a bunch of programming for you to get involved. You don't know how many times people come here and they get excited about being a part of this because it's different from everything else. And they go, how can we get involved? How can we get plugged in? How can we do things? You might initially become a part of this community because you discovered us in the midst of your crisis. A lot of you in this room are here today because a crisis occurred in your life and somebody impacted you enough and caused you to come here today. This group of people uh, will definitely help people in crisis. I believe that with all my heart. But at the same time, there's this investment in your own spiritual gifts that you've been given. 
Have you been checked on lately? I, I can't answer that. I can't answer that. How much checking have you done on others is the question. Right? Does anybody care about you being here? Well, do you care about any others being here? This is the way this community works. And this community, you're probably going to get out of it what you put into it. That's, that's the whole deal. Is God's given us all spiritual gifts. They're different. And I would say that's most of the time. Sometimes it will fail. Sometimes it will fail. There'll be times when this community does not meet your expectations. And one of the best areas of ministry with this group is the lack of expectations that they have on me as a pastor. That's one of the things I'm greatly appreciative of is uh, I don't have a lot of expectations put on me. Because what we're trying to teach you here is that you have the same spirit in you is, is the same spirit that I have in me. So what I am capable of doing, you are absolutely capable of doing yourself. And so therefore, we have people in this room that minister to others all the time, and it doesn't have to be my role. It doesn't have to be my role. This is the way God has gifted you and blessed you. You're able to visit on people. You're able to check on things. You're able to do things for those in need. You know, I'm not the only one in here that actually does weddings and funerals. There's literally other people in this room that do weddings and funerals. And the purpose of the spiritual gifts that God has given to everybody in this room is to edify and to build up the community known as the church. A true Christian is not merely in this to get out what they want and need from it. A true Christian is in this and they will have their needs met as well as meet the needs of those around them. There's an awareness to this of what the Spirit has done and that's really all Paul is saying right here in this passage of Scripture is you can get up here and you can edify yourself or you can be a part of a community and give of yourself. I can't tell you what that looks like. I don't know for you. Honestly, just hang out with one another. Have conversations with one another. And watch, the Spirit will speak to you and tell you exactly what you need to do. And then, I'd probably do it. Why? Because it's your responsibility? No, because you're going to benefit from it. You're going to benefit from listening to the Spirit and doing what the Spirit leads you to do. I promise you that will happen. You will benefit from it. To edify the church. That's Paul's deal. So here's how I want to finish up today. Obviously stopped a long time ago in verse 25. I would like to hear from you the community, how people have built you up, how people have encouraged you. I'd like to hear from you just some stories. Sven, I want you to take that mic back there. I'm not making you speak into it. But if somebody raises their hand, uh, 
I would like to hear, I mean, this is a chance. We edify the church right here. I'll give you a chance. You just have to raise your hand. The only reason we're using a mic is because uh, uh, we want to get it on YouTube you or whatever. That? Yeah. It's probably no coincidence that he just walked out of the room. Uh, but because uh, he's humbled, that he wouldn't want to admit to what he does. Uh, but Keith, uh, every day, posts a message of encouragement um, on his uh, Facebook page. Yeah. And that is a, uh, he doesn't do it for himself. He does that as a, uh, as a means to point people to Christ's love and how it can be applied on a practical way every day. And that's, uh, that's an example, I think, of what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Of others. Absolutely. If you haven't, if you haven't uh, got on that Facebook page, uh, I forget what's the, what's the actual... What? Keeping it positive. It's kind of a private Facebook page that Keith created, but every day he just gets on there and uh, it's an encouraging thing. It takes four or five minutes to listen to it. Keeping it positive, look on Facebook for that. Somebody else? Yes, sir, Nick. So, man, we we have such a great church and and a great congregation of people, and it's so special here and. Holly and I, I think, have been able to really feel that probably the past three weeks um, from a couple different things. From uh, uh, a guy Holly used to babysit as a kid and has been intertwined with their family, lost um, their seven-month-old um, daughter. And so just some of the community here stepped up immediately and, and uh, helped with food trains and just loved on not only Holly, but people that they don't even know. And, uh, and Holly lost her mom um, Christmas Eve. And so there's been some of that same outpouring of love and uh, from my friend Charlie Ward helping us out, uh, regardless of the situation or timing. And so I think with that, uh, it is my responsibility to edify the church and and try to pour back into that because we have something that's unlike anything out there. Like Rusty spoke of, very, um, very unselfish, and uh, there's no ulterior motives, I feel like, here. Whether you get love or outreach or any of it, it's, it's genuine. And so I picture that as uh, the early church a little bit, and... And uh, it's evident that Christ is is uh, centered in everyone here that does that. And so, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Um, continue to love on people because you guys are great at it. So, thank you very much. Good work. Of course, Luke. As the president of the Troy Pruitt Fan Club... Troy, Troy has blessed us in such amazing ways, um, but I, I, I could honestly list out of 30 people, I mean, with specific wow examples, uh, the wards being, you know, just to, to mention a few, Keith over the last 30 years probably, 
Um, you know, when we're hurt, I, if someone, there's, there's, if the congr- if the body feels it, they hurt and then they come and help. It's just, I, I, I don't know. I feel like a rich man. I'm spoiled with this body of Christ. And, uh, I don't know. It's, it's awesome. You're right in front of that speaker, so come over here. There's so many people, so many like Luke, I could name many, 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 but there's one person in particular in this room that no matter what it is, what time, or if it's me in need or my family in need, she's my first call. Stacy Luke, you are an angel. I thank you from the bottom of my heart for being a dear friend, even when I'm not sometimes. There's always a call. There's always a giving. You would take your shirt off your back. You would. And I know that. I just want to thank you, and I love you. It's awesome. Yeah. Matt, Tully, I love you. Great man. Sven, love you too, man. Jeff, um, I meet with... This is Steve Toon, by the way, if you don't know Steve. <laughs> Most of you probably don't know me, but um, there's some great men in this church, and um, I just appreciate them. That's a good word. You know, it's really... Can you hear me? Yep. Okay. It's really it's Al Coslo, we can't see him. Yeah, it's it's impossible to uh pick and choose. You know, I, I walk in here on uh on Sunday morning and anybody that I bump into have eye contact with there's uh there's love in the air, if you will. There's love in the air. And uh and and and, and you know that that just comes from uh the heart of uh, uh, of this community, and I and I thank you for that. But if I was going <laughs> to nail it down a little bit, I I, I do want to call out three different families that uh, I don't I don't know. They, they it, it just seems like they they've just opened up their hearts to me and kind of adopted me in, if you will. Uh, but they're all kind of over here in this little corner of the world. Uh, the Lukers and the uh, Jack and Moe's and the Christiansons uh, have uh, have have really helped me uh, in in my walk with the Lord. Uh, uh, Dave and, and Jeff actually sat down with me uh, three weeks ago over breakfast, and uh, actually counseled with me on some relationship issues. And uh, uh, it, it, it's it, it's wonderful, and I and I love them for it. Um, and uh, 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 but it all comes from their relationship with Jesus. That's where their counsel flowed from. That's where their love f- flows from. Just like Rusty said this morning, you know, they know that God loved them first, so they're able to love others, and they demonstrate that, you know, in a very powerful way in my life. Thank you. Okay, 
I got to mention somebody here. There's too many to mention. That's the problem, you know. But um, my journey with this amazing community is... Uh, this is Dave Giacomo, by the way. Uh, somebody that probably doesn't even realize what, what, how many times he's done me a favor. And I, again, I hesitate to, to say anything because so many of you guys have been there for me. And, uh, but Ron Cox is a guy that has had a huge influence on me. He's just one of those quiet giants that, you know, I've gone to him so many times and I'm just blown away by, he's changed me because he's so kind and so giving and he just offers anything and everything he has. And he's helped me so many times. And uh, every time I walk away from, you know, asking for his help, I'm always like, that is just like the greatest human being I've ever met. And, uh, and there's a lot of you guys out there and you guys all know who you are, but, uh, you know, it's amazing the, these great men. And I think of how amazing their wives are and how, you know, all us guys or people say we're this or that, but we're nothing without these incredible wives and uh, partners behind us. So just so grateful. So anyways, I could call out Danny and I could call out so many of you guys because you all have had a profound impact on me. But just Ron Cox is one guy that I just, just, just like a mentor. So. Rusty, I just I want to uh, I want to thank you for um, I know what it takes to put into teaching and um, just the you don't ever seem to tire of encouraging others and one thing I'm grateful for seeing between the men and the women in this room of all different ages is with identity we're free we're free to allow the spirit to flow through these personalities and that's what's so encouraging because it's real. And I think that people know real and they recognize it. And there's something just so refreshing about it because the, you know, the, the, the verse that Luke had read earlier about recognizing no one by the flesh. You know, we screw up, we're not judged by it. I, I feel like we all see each other for who we are in Christ as opposed to, you know, circumstances that either have happened to us or we've caused. And um, I'd say this is the first Christmas in my life where I'm overly grateful for the invisible. And um, I don't know where that came from. I, the, uh, but this was the greatest Christmas I've ever had. And I, that's just what I just keep thanking God for is, uh, is just all the invisible attributes of these people. Um, I'm just grateful. I'm very grateful for, for that gift from God. I don't know when or why, but I'm thankful. So, Rusty, thank you. Please remain tireless in your encouragement <laughs> to the rest of us. <laughs> That's not up to me. So, uh, thank you, Matt. Uh, we can, well, we can uh, cut it off. So, someone mentioned about the women in the church, at, and I've never been part of a church that's had this is amy nicholas by the oh, way oh i'm amy hi who's um enjoyed really authentic relationships with women that can be tricky sometimes so i'm super thankful for that um 
And a while back, a group of us met and put together care boxes for our college kids. And someone was like, oh, let's, you know, put one together for my son, Stuart, who's um, going to be gone for about a year. And that just meant the world to me. And then, um, I don't know who, but several of the men in the church wrote notes for him of encouragement. And that really meant the world to him. So that that wasn't necessary, just really kind. And just as his mom, to know that people are praying for him and encouraging him, just thank you so much for that. Yeah, I'll, I'll lift you up. Because uh, <laughs> I've called you a few times. Can you Can you handle a situation? And... I uh, trust you with those private conversations, and obviously you're more equipped to deal with women than I am, uh, and so I am thankful for the women in here that are able to to deal with issues and crisis, and um, same spirit, Amy, that I have. It's a good word. We could go on and on. Uh, all morning long. You got one more? Troy, you got to end it. If you're going to end it, end it good. Um, I'll start by saying my wife and I came here probably started seven, eight years ago because I was standing. Um, my gosh, this shouldn't even be an emotional thing. It's not a big deal. But, um, standing in Matt Tully's front yard, and we had left East 91st Street at the time, and, and we were going to another church, and I asked Matt where he was at. And he said, where are you going? And I told him, and he goes, why? Well, that's because we're other East 91st Streeters were going. And he made a comment about what are they teaching you? And I said, well, I don't necessarily understand, but it's just nice to be there around other people. But sometimes they talk a little above your head. And he says, well, are you going to make a change? And I said, okay. So I started coming here so thankful for Matt and just the way he speaks to me. Just keeps it simple. Um, there's a lot of men in this room that I'm very thankful for. Guys, I'm supposed to be emotional, aren't you? Um, big baby. You're not crying, big are you? Baby. <laughs> big baby. Suck it up, right? Um, a lot of men in this room probably have issues with their sons. You want to strangle them? Uh, I can call them. I can, uh, some of them live close by. I can just stop by their house and just walk into their house. Most you, and I do. I just walk in. Um, so if I come by, you might want to share your door's locked because I will walk in. <laughs> sure. Um, there's many men in this room I've picked up the phone and called, cause some, and I sometimes don't start the conversation off the greatest way. you know. Uh, but as we know, our sons can be sometimes a pain in the bottom. Uh, and I'm very thankful for those conversations that I've had with them. Some of those men in this room have had struggles with their sons. Um, mine's a continuous one right now. And... Some of the men in this room have also reached out to him, and I'm thankful for that. Okay, sorry. I was up here crying two weeks ago, and I, all week long I got these gifts from Troy about crying up here on stage, so you know what's coming this week, right? Just be prepared, my friend. Goes around, comes in. I'm edifying you. But Troy, uh, my daughter drives home from Nashville the terrible noise in her car and Troy takes her car all day yesterday and uh, works on it all day so she can go back home 
but that's just what he does. It just takes care of people. Again, we could go on all day long in this room, this very room, how you have taken care of each other here, which is amazing. Uh, Micah Langmack built Michelle and I this incredible box uh, out of some special trees, and then he uh, literally wrote to each one of you to send us affirmation cards, and those cards go in this box, and we have this box full of affirmations from you, and we're so thankful. Uh, some incredible uh, insights that you've given us and affirmed us and edified us. And so we're thankful for that. I would encourage you to not only write us, but to write others in the room because there's many unmentioned here today. So maybe this week, let's write a note and encourage uh, others in the room that didn't get the chance to speak up. Some of you won't speak up because you're quiet. So write a letter. It's a good thing. This is what Paul was communicating. This is what the church is about. The spiritual gifts that we have, each different in this room, uh, utilize to make the church something that is a light in a dark, dark world. Enough that it attracts them, that they come here, hear the Word of God, and they become a part of this community. That's all he's saying. Uh... Father, I thank you for this body. Your body is much bigger than this room right here, but I thank you for this part of the body, this leavener group of people that uh, love one another in spite of our struggles, in spite of our faults, in spite of our bad choices. We can love unconditionally and encourage and edify one another. So thank you for all that you have done for us so that we could have this. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.